It is episode 41 of Honestly Unbalanced and we're chatting to Tiffany Soy and she's been described as a modern renaissance woman of sorts. The Londoner of your Asian heritage is a presenter, a yoga and well-being coach and a respected climbing athlete. Somewhere along the way she managed to pick up a first class space science degree. She is a creator of Climb Flow Fit Yoga, a targeted dynamic strength training meets yoga flow movement approach for climbers and anyone else that likes movement the chat was awesome you'll massively enjoy it we talked about everything from rock climbing to building a business your inner critic and self-criticism and how to change our inner dialogue and lots more enjoy Oh, and as always, we've got some offers for you, some new ones too. If you want to practice with Tiffany, uh, she's kindly given all of you a 10% discount code off for her Climb Flow program, Hustler Love, all capitals, that's H-U-S-L-E-R-L-O-V-E, will get you a discount. And as always, the Hustlers, uh, T-H-E-H-U-S-L-E-R-S, gets you a discount off live formats, uh, and that is all capitals as well. One final thing, and this one is worth listening to. The 28th of August to the 4th of September this year, we are heading to the islands surrounding Sicily. We've partnered up with yachts and friends who are organising the retreat. There'll be sparkling waters, incredible food, yoga is me, sound journeys with Holly. It is going to be a remarkable experience. So if you're up for it, head to the Yachts and Friends website or one of our websites will take you there as well. Uh, this one is going to be special. <laughs> How have you found the kind of the manual work? In the sense that I've been doing a lot, like you have, like decorating, uh, building stuff. Yeah, so you've got paint uh, on your hands. Well, I've got paint my hands right now. So I've been doing all of that stuff. And I've actually, it's one of the few things that has allowed me to turn off. Because in this lockdown period, all of us are in survival mode, you know, whether mm. it be trying to film yoga classes, hustle for new opportunities, etc. Mm. constantly on social media, we can't escape our phones. But the simple act of like painting a bathtub has allowed me to really turn <laughs> off. Like from a, like a psychological perspective, have you had something similar? Yeah, I think it's, I think when you feel really, you know, when, when it's you doing the work and, and the effort, on the one hand, I mean, it's, it's been exhausting. I mean, like, absolutely exhausting but on the other you feel so much more kind of connection and pride and reward into this you know this this space that you're putting together with your own hands mm. I've always I don't know I've, I've never I've never been one to sort of shirk off hard graft I, and I worked in the construction industry for years also oh, did you so that's yeah one of those like you guys you know the, the former past yeah. lives of, of things yeah. that have gone so you know, I've lived on building sites not lived but as in you know being on building sites, like, you know, day in, day out for years or so. Um, but it's, it's, I think, much more, yeah, it's much more emotional when you're doing it for yourself. Mm. But like you say, in terms of just getting stuck in, you sort of lose everything else that's going on outside. It just gives you the opportunity to kind of step away from your emotional yeah. response and just get stuck in and involved and engrossed in the moment of, of whatever it is that you're doing. So, so manual stuff like that, that's very tactile and hands-on, I think can be very therapeutic in that, mm. in that sense, even if it is really, if it's really, really intensive work. And you're getting like, you know, an instant sort of feedback in terms of, oh, look, this next thing has been completed, this next thing yeah. has been completed. And, yeah. that, and I think that's really, that's really positive as well, so. Especially, I think, when everything is under one roof. You know, before we were going out to work and we were going out to socialise. And now I was saying to Adam, you know, there's nowhere to escape apart from going for the odd walk every day. But it's, so it's a nice separation from work. I'm saying all this as if I actually do anything, decorating-wise. <laughs> it has been mostly Adam. But I was doing the frog taping this morning before painting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself that one. Yeah, well, that, that is an art in itself, you know. Clean, Thank good you, lines, I think frog. so. Frog tape is the trick there, you know. So. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I never come across it. I'm an advocate. Let's, let's, let's leave decorating behind. <laughs> but you, so you're now based in London, but you haven't always been, have you? you you've travelled a fair bit. And um, had so, called many places home. So, I'm, I mean, I'm born and raised here um, and have essentially lived most of my life here. And uh, blah, 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 2016, 
um, my, I, well, I'd already had, I had the intention that I'd wanted to spend more time in Asia just because that's where, um, that's where I'm half from, as in that's where my dad's yeah. from. So uh, my dad is Thai Chinese, he lives over there um, and I'd been do you know, you do the sort of the annual trip when you can, like back and forth and things like that with, with my siblings. And, you know, I had such, I had such a strong connection with there and I wanted to find ways of being able to spend more time there. But in, in sort of the reality of, you know, life and making things happen, so unless some kind of big opportunity presents itself, it's quite difficult to sort of, you know, orchestrate these things from like a, realistic perspective of like you know mm. what, you, what are you going to be doing um and I I mean previously I had like you know job offers to move to Hong Kong that then fell through and this you know we're talking now like the tail ends of economic crisis and all this sort of stuff now that we're going you know irony we're going to be in another one um <laughs> but my husband um after I, I, I and I vocalized these things with my husband and I was like you know it would be nice for us to be able to do something like that I just don't know how it's going to happen and then just out of the blue um he got offered a job in Singapore um I was pretty swift decision making so and he, he's never been really at all I mean he did like sort of backpacking around like you know Australia and a, yeah. a few tidbits of like you know Thailand and stuff Classic. like that South Africa but he never yeah. really sort of like been out there um and yeah so we're like all right well let's just go <laughs> so we did and we wow. thought it was going to be sort of like a two you know like maybe like a two-year thing uh but it turned into sort of three and a half close to four um and we yeah and and then we did come back uh because he got moved again uh with with the same with the same company uh back to london so you know we came back and it felt sort of like the right time out there but it was, um, yeah, I mean, it's a really sort of profound and important time. And right now, especially this, like you say, being sort of uh, trapped and confined literally to like our spaces and to mm. our nation and not being able to just go, well, I'm, I just want to go and I just want to go and see my dad and see my family. And yeah. just can't, you know, can't do that. That's been really like, oh, but like you say, that's where the decorating and the renovation has proven to be very, very, you know, if there was going to be a time, <laughs> if there was going to be a time that we couldn't travel or do anything and pretty much from like a resource perspective, everything being funneled into your home, basically. So really doing any other kinds of trips becomes a lot harder in that regard. Um, I think that's this weird silver lining and grace that sort of occurred around this time and, and you know and, and I say that feeling incredibly grateful that you know we have a home given yeah. everything that is you know going on going on around us um so yeah but definitely craving sunshine and <laughs> good food <laughs> yeah right now quite a lot at least there's a light at the end of the tunnel now we're coming back into the summer and lockdown's coming to an end isn't it and I think everyone's just <laughs> can't wait no, I freedom. know. Well, like, like so this little mini heat wave that we've had, where yeah. everyone got very, very excited. It's, just, it's been a day of sunshine. It's just yeah, like, one day. Great. And it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to snow next week as well. well let's not talk about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so British talking about the weather. I know. Let's, it's so difficult. I'm, I'm intrigued because Holly, Holly's, well, we've both been stalking you a little bit this morning. Oh, yeah. realise kind of how much you've done and how how many different uh, nouns I guess you have I know. from like rock climber to gymnast etc classical singer as well I was like wow yeah. you know, everything. and then now which a layer we didn't realise was working in construction <laughs> so I'm intrigued to Alec where, where did all of this fit in and at what point did you think I don't want to work in construction or that industry anymore <laughs> and I want to just do my own thing mm. like, I can't imagine what the timeline is uh, it's a oh gosh it's, it, this is, I mean, this is a really interesting sort of conversation to be having now. I'm going to be turning 35 in, in a couple of weeks. So I sort of feel like it's a real, like, this milestone slash, like, <laughs> reflection on what is act what's actually happened over the last 35 years. Um, but in, ter in terms of, like, how... Okay, how did this all happen? Um, so in, like, my child and teen years, that's when the gymnastics was happening. So I was an elite gymnast, whilst also really trying to push, you know, school and being academic. Um, but simultaneously, I'd, I'd always had a love of like performing arts 
and was trying to find this way of, you know, how, how do you have all of these things sort of like present in, in your life, yeah. as it were. Um, drop, had to quit gymnastics because of um, a lot of very severe injuries that were putting me into, um, well, we're going to have to go for surgery and all these sorts of things and yada, yada, yada. Um, so I had to stop that. But then I carried on with school and simultaneously whilst doing like school, I was doing more um, music. So I was doing classical music and performing arts. So I was training as a classical singer. And then I also got into the Guildhall School of Music and Drama for like um, weekend school. So wow. I was going, okay, like this is, I think this is sort of like how my life is gonna, this is what I want it to progress into because you know, this is what I'm really, really passionate about and da da da. But then you sort of get to that point of university um, and knowing what we know about sort of the performing arts industry in general, which is that for the thousands of people who are working in that, next to nobody is actually, actually working consistently. And mm. the amount of sort of like luck and things that are involved in there. And, you know, um, I then thought, okay, well, you know what, if this is something that I want to kind of get back into, I should probably do something sensible first and uh, so I, I went and did an astrophysics degree wow. instead. <laughs> and so I was oh like, right, I'm going, going in that direction. Let's pursue that, um, which was by no means an easy feat. Uh, so that had worked incredibly hard to mm. see that through. And um, honestly, when I started it, I thought, well, I'm probably going to fail within the first year. But somehow walked out with a first class degree. Oh my Being gosh, told that's I was amazing. like mathematically inept most of my life also. So just with, really? that, with that point there. So at that, at that point in that era, physically did you have to drop everything else? To get a science yeah. degree, of course, a very hours intensive, any science degree. Yeah. yeah. Plus getting a first. first like did, did the physical stuff you rather buy? Yeah, so I wasn't really, so when I quit gymnastics, the, only, the I didn't really find anything that kind of gripped me on like a sort of physical level. I did take up yoga um, when I was about, about 16, uh, which is about the same time. So I, after gymnastics, I ended up in a back brace and I couldn't actually walk. So I had some like <gasps> oh, pretty God. severe spinal degradation, stuff in my feet were also, it was like, it was awful. Had to wear like bound up feet um, for like, mm, gosh, goodness knows how long until like my bones settled down again and things. Um, so I was doing that and obviously that was something that I really got a lot of traction with just now having this other mode of uh, moving that I found very, very healing. And I got myself into a place where it's like, well, I'm walking and moving and doing all this stuff again. But other than that, I wasn't really doing anything else sort of like on an intensive level. And then when I got to university, I accidentally stumbled upon rock climbing with my brothers when my dad was over for a trip. He'd seen this poster and he was like, well, that looks really cool. We should go and try that. So we went and tried that all together. But, and I was like, oh, wow, this is, in this is incredible. I love this. Like, this is the first thing that's really compelled me to think, oh, I could, I could really do this. Um, but like, say with the realities of, of school, I mean, I was flat out, like day in, day out. It wasn't one of those leisurely degrees in where, where you know, everyone's like, well, we're on reading week and we have like two lectures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's anything wrong with that at all. But it's like, this was, this was hardcore. And um, so it was, it was day in, day out, like eight in the morning till like eight, nine, 10 or longer every day. Um, mm -hmm. I was still trying to work weekends because Obviously, that was you know important, but then I eventually I had to drop that like during actual term time because it was just just so much. So nothing really um, happened on the sort of this the sports front until really about my third year when I'd gotten myself into a rhythm of going, all right, I trust I trust myself and my own like mental faculties and my my own strategy for for studying and knowing that. I, you know, I can, ma I can manage, I can manage this and I can manage this well and so on. Um, so that was like, you know, that's, that's quite a process though, I think to go through, um, to, to get yourself into a working rhythm that, you know, works, works for you. And it's only really in the third year that I actually really got to get into the climbing stuff a bit more actively. Um, and that's where that whole kind of thing kicked off with that. So rolling out of um, 
rolling out of university, um, there were a couple of things that happened. So in my in my heart's sort of idea, I thought I want to go and you know get back into performing arts stuff and so on. But two things happened. We had the economic crash, um, which happened just when I graduated. And then the second thing happened was that my brother, who is uh, who was a year younger than me, but because I'd taken a gap year, we ended up at university at the same time, at the same university, Aww. doing half of the same subjects. Um, he, um, uh, unfortunately, he developed leukemia mm-hmm. at that time. And that was a whole saga in itself in terms of, you know, like, like worlds falling apart type thing. Um, so there's a lot of stress and strain. So at that point it was like, well, I'm going to go and do the sensible thing. I need to support my family. I'm going to get a job. So I ended up uh, landing a graduate job in like tech space and so on and working in that for several years. And then, um, with the construction, um, so I was meant to be pursuing, I was meant to be, you know, taking on another job. This was this thing in Hong Kong that then fell through, then landed in that pool of people, you know, in this in this post-economic, well, this this continuing economic sort of crisis, as it were, where you had thousands and thousands of really experienced um, young workers, graduates with great degrees, and all these sorts of things, and who couldn't who couldn't get jobs. You know, it's like you're you're looking at engineers, and they're working in the local, you know, food, you know, food store just to kind of get by. And so on. that's kind of the environment that suddenly was like, oh, wow, okay, now we're really, we're really feeling this. And um, so I, I had done some previous um, support work for this construction firm when I was a bit younger, just like admin type stuff, you know, like kind of junior things. And they said that they had landed a project, uh, they, they knew about my situation and they had landed a project um, that they needed someone to kind of oversee and run and they knew that I was in between jobs and I was looking for something so they said well maybe it's something that you might want to <laughs> want to try just to kind of tide you over because I really, you know, I really need someone, I need someone who can manage technical stuff and is you know really really good with people and so on so why don't you give it a go and I was like yeah well I said yes because I was kind of desperate to be honest and landed into that and it was a really really steep learning curve and a really difficult job but for some reason I loved it and I ended up staying doing it for about four years um and the really great thing about it, um, apart from it being this blend of kind of really technically driven things, but also very people oriented and, you know, like putting together people's, you know, like dream, you know, dream homes and dream lives and seeing people literally throw all the money that they had to creating a space that made them feel good and feel well. And um, mm. the other side of that, that's actually quite flexible in terms of as long as I was getting my job done and I was making sure everything was happening, I then had a bit of capacity to start exploring some other stuff that I was interested in. So I could do a few more media bits like here and there, or if there was like, you know, an audition for something, I could go for that. And and simultaneously in terms of like the moving side of things, I was then like, okay, I can start building up perhaps more of my yoga training and doing all, you know, from, from this other, this whole other aspect of myself. Um, and that's really through being able to then do that job and then having the flexibility to then do then extra yoga work like around that that's really the only way that the transition was able to kind of happen because I think a lot of people have um this idea that they're going to train in you know okay I'm going to train in yoga I'm going to train in this I'm going to train in that da, 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 and I can just quit my job and, yes. and just like go and be like a full-time blur and it's all just going to fall into place. And it's just like, that is not what happens. No, <laughs> as, not. You know, as, you, as you full well know. Um, so, it, so that really was like, a, it was a very, very kind of like gradual sort of transition in building one thing up enough to feel that you could step out of the other and embrace that kind of more fully. Um, were you, were there any push factors? So of course, maybe, you know, the yoga life perhaps or yoga teaching is appealing, 
But were you being pushed to some degree or felt that you just didn't really want to be in the current industry anymore? And I guess the second question is, as someone who's had, I guess, like lots of intellectual stimuli yeah. your whole life, yeah. maybe when, when you first go into yoga, maybe that isn't there. You know, you're just teaching sequences, someone has told you. Were yeah. you concerned that it wouldn't be like stimulating enough for you at all? Um, so it's, so I think the physical, the physical, the physical journey in the human body is obviously, has been something that's very, very powerful to me through being able to move and also not being able to move. Mm. Um, so in terms of the, the moving more towards the yoga, that the story that's running in parallel with, with all of this stuff, apart from the kind of, there's a job and a career and all these things going on is the fact that I then did, I did get into climbing sort of towards that end of university and moving into my career. And that became like my sport and my competitive sport. And I got really, really good. So I, I was one of the best bouldering athletes in the country. And in every other way, that was like my fuel, um, pushing myself athletically in this, in this whole other domain, whilst trying to like, you know, balance a job and all of these sorts of things. Um, and I loved it, um, but the process of pushing extremely hard in that also got me broken, <laughs> more broken perhaps in, in lots of other ways. And I think, you know, if, you're, if you are that sort of achievement type personality, which is, you know, how do I, how do I excel? How do I uphold the, you know, or deliver the best version of myself in whatever it is that I'm, you know, engaging with? whether it's small or whether it's something big, um, you, you come to realize there's a detrimental side of it if you don't, if you don't balance it out, right? Mm. Yeah. So I've been pushing myself really intensely through climbing and at work and ended up with a variety of dislocated body parts. So like I dislocated my shoulder and then I dislocated like my, my thumb on my hand and then injured my elbow really, really badly. And my back was playing up through the whole thing because that was kind of still an ongoing problem. And, you know, you take a lot of landings doing that. Um, so I'd, I'd reached a kind of mental, physical breaking point when I'd really severely injured myself and had basically thrown one of my best chances of being on the British team, um, kind of at like a peak, a peak point in... Um, in, in, in that in that history and like met, kind of had mentally associated also a bit of a like downward spiral mm. sort of like you know through that as well and through things that have been happening you know with work and I came back to yoga and for me it just it was this space of being able to reconnect with self and reconnect with my body and reconnect with my mind state and it's interesting because a lot of that co competitiveness that I'm talking about actually was something that, you know, if you went to a yoga studio or, or yoga classes, that's actually where I felt a lot of this like competitive sort of mindset yeah. and so on, yeah. which I then found was like, that's, that's this one space I don't want this to feel like. I want this to really feel like this is this is healing, that this is restorative and that we can find the space of like, you know, what, that we can be strong without being like so like aggressive and and I have a lot you know I have a lot of thanks for a lot of good people around me and equally um my uh yoga teacher um Tara Styles she was a, a really instrumental sort of mindset person in helping me to kind of shift from this idea of you know being super super aggressive with myself in terms of performing 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 and this idea that also I can be really really strong but also a lot gentler, <laughs> a lot more gentle mm. with, you know, with myself. And with that also, you know, I, I really enjoyed the connection, like the genuine connection that kind of comes through, through movement. So in terms of yoga, it wasn't just this, um, this physical thing in this physical space. And it wasn't necessarily about it being like, you know, a spiritual space either, but yoga can yoga and yogic movement for me became like a vehicle of connection to self and to other people and 
I've always loved sort of uh, sort of you know from a teaching capacity. It's, I think it's really I think it's really interesting also when you when you look at like really great teachers or teachers that you really admire who are so good like with with their people and their groups and you know you really look up to them and how how very often they are the people who tend to be quite intensive towards themselves, very very critical of like their own like you know capabilities and what they're doing and da 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 and just have like a much harsher lens because you know I think a lot of these high caliber people that we look up to live to a standard an internal sense of standard an internal sense of integrity and always wanting to and always wanting to sort of deliver um, really well and I've always loved teaching people you know I was doing it in in various capacities whether it was you know when I was when I was a gymnast and I was coaching younger girls when I was in physics and I got to do an education program and teaching teaching in schools as part of that um, when I was in the tech space I ran a talent development program all these sorts of things um, in construction I got to work you know you know with a lot of people and um, so there's been this underlying thing about like people through that and I didn't have the intentions of necessarily becoming a teacher, so to speak. I was really connecting with that to do that for myself, but it was through going through that, that, you know, kind of the spark went off that I have a capacity to maybe to be able to bring this to other people mm. and share that with other people and maybe develop this idea that we can build ourselves up to be really, really strong, but we can do that with a much more sustainable mindset that and a more sustainable approach that isn't about competing with yourself and isn't about competing with like other people uh, in the room you know in the room or or otherwise um so that's really kind of like how that evolved into into its own thing and like you know even now like one of the things that I've loved about for example um Adam like in your humor in terms of like how you approach um <laughs> yoga is, is this thing, it's like, you know, is this the kind of thing that you're going to teach in a class? No, because it's not, a, it's not about, it's, it's not about that, but, and finding this balance between how do we make, how do we make movement and challenging things accessible to people, but also being able to provide a framework that keeps people like, you know, safe and sort of strong and in control of their own bodies, right? And not just pushing yourself for the sake of pushing yourself. Mm. having been so injured in in my own body and wanting to find a way of rebuilding that and like I said finding a way of being able to move sustainably so it's not just about okay am I going to make it to you know the age of 30 doing this or I'm going to make it to the age of 35 it's like no I want to you know I want to keep moving until I'm 100 or I mean maybe that's something mm. that we, we'd hopefully all like to do um so what's what do we need to do to kind of move us towards there? And that means not pushing yourself into these extreme, extreme shapes and positions for the sake of some kind of internalized like ego reward or glory, mm. or whatever it is. Um, when, you know, you could be doing something far more progressive and healthier that's going to see, you know, going to see you through um, a lot, you know, a lot further down the line. Do, do you feel that you you have to almost visit those extremes though to to kind of know that in a way to think to reel yourself back in almost yeah, I th well this is the interesting thing isn't it like you know I in terms of our say personal experiences you're are you a better teacher for having been through are you a better guide for having been through you know that mm, this yeah. you know a real psychological dip I think potentially yes uh, or, mm. or very much yes, because you understand the humanity and the and the feeling and the experience of it. It's something relatable and real. It's not just this kind of, or you know, an esoteric concept that you know you're trying to relay to people and get to get them on board with it. You know, it's something that you've you've been through. And equally, in terms of understanding the, I don't want to say dangers, but like you know what it means to push yourself too far, yeah. the impact of that, and then being able to. Being able to, well, either recover from that or create a different journey out of that is is really, really powerful. At the point where I dislocated my shoulder, I keep coming back to this, it was really, because on the one hand I was, yes, I was incredibly strong, but I knew that I was, I was having dysfunctional pain in certain places, like things were like hanging in, in ways that didn't feel good and so on. 
And at the point where I dislocated my shoulder, and and, and, I th- and it's really interesting because everyone's like, oh, but Tiffany, you're always like, you know, you're so nice and polite about these sorts of things. And you're always so like, you know, he and positive. We don't, we don't see this sort of like internal, like sort of yeah, tiger yeah. side of you um, where you're really pushing. But just before I dislocated my shoulder in that competition, I actually said, I do not care if I hurt myself because I just need to get on the podium. Like wow. that's like sort of the <laughs> limit of, of like, in terms of what I was trying to achieve on a sporting level. And then sure enough, I, I dislocated my shoulder like halfway up mm. the wall. It was, it was mad. And, it, and that was a really, really big lesson of going okay what is what is the dialogue that you are having with yourself and if you're saying that this isn't okay for other people and you wouldn't want other people to be saying this to themselves mm. then why are you saying it to yourself so and that's that's a, that's a perfect thing that people need to explore more within it is coach inside their own head and no mm. one really considers it that, yeah. that internal dialogue you know we talk about it in kind of a very high level when it comes to our ego and uh <laughs> from a yoga perspective you know who's talking to you but in a very baseline level what the stuff you say to yourself in every moment when you're even when you're doing sport even when you're sitting in a sauna <laughs> trying to compete with the person next to you like, what is, is that it? Thing? yeah maybe for me uh, <laughs> oh God. But there is one of the most famous sports coaches, and I do forget his name now, but he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. You know, he's written many mm. books on it. And you know, his main coaching, his main way to create his, these Olympic athletes was develop, to develop the coach inside of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, and that is very much sort of this, this space that I've been on in, over these last like few years is, is really changing that dialogue with self not just to support myself, but also to be a better support to other people. And also but to be more of, you know, proof in the pudding, as it were. So you can't, you can't go around saying these things of like, do this, be kind to yourself, give yourself blood, da, 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 all these sorts of things. If in no way at all, you're living any of that through yourself. Mm. And, I, and, I, yeah. and, and when I say that, I don't say that that is easy at all. Again, it comes back to this thing. I think if you're, you know, you're, you're an individual who prides yourself on d- delivering to the best of your ability. And then when you've got other people who you are now sort of, you know, essentially like supporting like through your skill set, you become a lot more conscious of what it is that you're bringing out to people. And somewhere between, you know, this year has been a perfect example, like you say, the hustle of going, how on earth do we make this work? You know, and you're having to scramble and come up with solutions and all of these sorts of things. You know, like honestly, like this year, I don't, I don't, well, I don't feel like I've had a break in sort of 18 months and I've had to, you know, really check in with that and go, all right, so if I'm telling people to go and like have a break, it's like, so <laughs> when am I gonna do that for myself? <laughs> because, you know, it's like, because it's, it's, it's a bit of a farce to, to be expressing all of that if, um, if, you, if you're not able to do that for yourself and and that i think is and that i think is one of the inherent battles i think of people who do work within wellness industry as a whole is because on the one hand it is your job in terms of to to create to inspire to provide to to, to house and facilitate the environment that is conducive to well-being yeah. for other people but at the same time you're still you're still a business person. You've still got to, you know, figure out how you make things work financially. You've got to think about, you know, your business, as it were, you operating as a business. So that comes with all the same challenges as every other entrepreneur or small business or individual business on top of trying to make it feel really good, you know, for everyone that's involved. Yeah, that's and so it's, true. It's a very fine line, isn't there? Like you said earlier that people always said you were, you know, very polite. And the fine line I'm talking about is one where, you know, as a yoga teacher, let's say, you want to lead by example, you want to you, you want to show that you are having a yoga practice and you are balanced, there's a balanced individual, etc. But then the pressure of that can sometimes mean that when you are having a bit of a shit time, you don't want to show it and you kind of put on a face or you put on a facade <laughs> and then you have this guilt about actually being human. So yeah, it's that balance where, yes, we need to be living what we teach, but at the yeah. same time being honest when things are slightly falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it is a very fine line. Um, and, and that is difficult to manage that, like I say, that expectation. And, and also because, like you say, sort of living the truth and living the human side and, and then balancing that professional side, because in the same way that, you know, say if you, you know, in, in your previous job, if you're working in legal, and you are having 
a shit time, basically. Um, yeah, you don't. You it's it's not your job to sort of express that in your professional environment. It's get the job done, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and I think there's some of that mentality which which is which isn't necessarily wrong. Like you say, it's not it's not about any of this being right or wrong. It's just where where do we find this this medium um, way of existing that feels genuine to you and genuine to other people but when people come to you and go all right well I want to experience this really positive like learning experience or whatever then you sort of do go oh I'm not going to lay all of my stuff like on my feet yeah. like you know on these people here maybe I'll just like save that for you know after this after this moment or you know it's so so I think that is a con that is a conflict and I'm not sure that there is a def definitively right answer on no. on that side of things but more to your point about this idea of do we need to sort of step away from like you say this this sort of this visual idea of um like like, like somehow you, you everything is perfect all the time mm. then absolutely yes we we do need to step you know we need to step away and we and we need to stop i think sort of <laughs> Uh, you know fueling that and, and that is something that I am really passionate about in terms of you know it might not sort of be within the you know the class context but in terms of the overall communications and the messaging that putting out it's it that's why I talk about sort of like say from a mental health perspective I will you know I will say you know what okay there is this is a period of like feeling low and I'm saying I'm honoring that and we and, and when it comes to talking about mental health yes, we need to be having a conversation around this. And if you are feeling like this, we need to be able to provide a safe space for being able to express that without that being reflective mm. of, of be of, sorry, when I say reflective, without that appearing to reflect that somehow you're deficient or defunct or whatever, or something like that, because that's still the stigma that we are working through that apparently high performing individuals or, you know, people that we look up to apparently cannot feel the depths of, of you know, depression or anxiety disorders and all these sorts of things when actually all these things are going on, um, all these things are going on and, and the more we can talk openly about these things, I think the more that we can sort of <laughs> present um, a real human picture of what it means and, and and hopefully prevent people from having to go so you know so far down into that and actually find it a much more progressive way up and out of it so it's something that on a societal level becomes a lot more manageable for for everyone involved because it is seen as real and it is seen as human and it's just seen, you know what we can't always be up here because that's all, mm. that's not how nature works that's not how the universe works i mean it's literally i mean from literally from like a from like a physics perspective everything is like one giant wave like one giant wave yeah constantly yeah. having to ride the wave and it's and it's very up and down um in terms of like how it delivers and how it traverses you know traverses the ether and and through each of us right and um and and i was reminded of this like you know very very recently and you know, we were always talking about you know riding the wave and i think when we think of riding the wave we can understand it from that sort of undulation, the peaks and the troughs and the peaks and the troughs and that sort of thing. But the other part that of a wave, when we think about it in that very physical sense, is the idea of when it's coming forward and it's crashing down, that moment of retreat, the retreat you know, from the shore all the way back into the body of water, which is sometimes really, really lengthy, um, that that is something that we need to, and in order to, yeah. to feel, to to heal and to to breathe and to kind of recalibrate in order that we can gather our resources and our capability to be able to write okay now we can like bring forth and deliver yeah. and so on and I think giving giving ourselves the permission and, and that's something that I know I've struggled with is giving myself the permission to be able to say all right I need to retreat in order to be able to keep doing what I'm doing and doing it well um as a you know, as a teacher, as a guide, as as someone who's you know supporting other people, um, and that I think is n now on the brink of thirty five. It's, <laughs> it's probably um, it's probably the I think probably the, the most resounding message that I'm getting. It's all like li literally the universe is screaming at me, sort of like saying this. It's like permission to retreat, permission to retreat, um, and that you don't always have to be 
on. You might feel like you always have to be on, but also where is that messaging coming from? Again, we kind of, when you talk about, you know, the self-coaching aspect, is that, is that really a message that you're perceiving from externally and that's yeah. coming at you and you're saying, all right, I have to uphold to that? Or is this internal programming? And I think if you are someone who is, um, you know, who lives by internal validation in terms of you, you don't assess yourself by sort of like, you know, as, as best as you can, by sort of external qualifying standards, like your sense of integrity and your sense of um, value and right and wrong, it's, it's very like, you know, internal, um, which is a very powerful skill. On the other hand, like in this kind of conversation, when you then have a message that's coming at you and you're going, but this, you know, this is from me, this is from me, this is from me, this is me telling me this, but then you have to kind of sometimes go, how did I form that message? Like, where did I get that from? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and is that the right thing? Um, and when you're being given sort of like you know, signals from left, right and centre, you can sort of keep pushing back at it for as long as possible. The messages sort of still keep coming at you. You can keep pushing back at it. Or at some point you sort of realise, ah, all right, permission to feel, permission yeah. to kind of go with that that thing that I I think, you know, subconsciously I know I need to do, but I've been sort of pushing back on for so, for so long. And... Um, I think that's sort of where I'm at now. And I think that's an interesting space that a, a lot of people seem to be going through. Um, yeah. Yeah. I totally resonate with everything that you just said. I think you expressed that so beautifully. And I especially love that you related it to physics because, <laughs> you know, us yoga teachers are always talking about ride the waves. You know, it's nature, the contraction and expansion. And you're like, <laughs> it's physics. Everything's a wave. <laughs> so I think that's really relatable and accessible. <laughs> No, but, but but this is the thing. It's like you know whether whether we're talking you know whether we're talking like the explicit you know mathematical representation of like what's happening in physics in terms of what's going on. Every other mode that we have, whether it's you know yoga, music, um, oh I don't know, I'm, I'm running out of examples, but they're they're all just they're all different languages tuning into the same understanding of what's happening around it's just it's just it's a different mode of like expressing it right and equally in the same way that you know people go well if you if you're if you're a scientist and you can't be that and if you're this and you can't be this and it's like well it's all just a different form of language expression it's all pointing to like the same stuff you know we're all eventually we'll all head in the same direction we're just all coming at it from from different perspectives so um so yeah the wave everyone feels the wave like in in a different way yeah. but it is mm. it's nice Can't to know that it is also literally like literally explained as such from a science perspective and one thing you mentioned there was you mentioned this idea of kind of where we get the information from what what are the inputs that mean we make certain decisions mm. and i guess that is a it's not a danger, but in the modern world, we get so much stimuli, don't we? You know, oh, God, just yeah. scrolling down an Instagram feed, you see a hundred different messages from a hundred different people, <laughs> and it's about finding quality information. And for me, like pre pre internet, <laughs> it was like the quality of the you know the books, the books you read, and the magazines you read. Yeah, and I remember like feeding myself National Geographic, and I had a really lovely view mm. of the world. Uh, but the, and then, but now there is so much, and I guess even as let's say influencers, the average, you know, people often turn to influencers for advice and it's a lot of pressure on them because, you know, the average influencer that has lots of success now started quite a long time ago when perhaps it was all just image driven. It's who can make the nicest pictures, which is good, (laughs) completely valid on an image based platform. And so it's really hard that these people now have a lot of pressure on them, perhaps to help people live better lives and aren't necessarily equipped with the skills to either communicate that or necessarily have studied it. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, what I'm saying, I guess, is it's, it's a big burden on the shoulders of people that provide information that is received by many people, isn't it? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really... Gosh, the whole Instagram space, it's so very interesting, isn't it? Like The, the, <laughs> the, the things that you receive the really inappropriate things that you receive, but also some of these more, these very, very personal, like say very, you know, people literally going, I need help with this. Can you help me? And you're like, you know, if having to sometimes just be very honest and saying, I'm not, I'm not the person that can support you with, you know, said thing, but I can try and point you in the direction of maybe some better resources and people. Um, I think the things that you do know I try to share what I do know when it's relevant and when it's right. Um, but sometimes it's, 
I think a really interesting was like everyone's going, like, what are you eating? Like, what are you eating? What's your diet? Which, which that yeah. sounds like a, a sort of that's that's sort of like a more simplified question. But I'm going. There are people literally going, how do I? how do I lose weight and how do I do this and what do I eat and can you tell me exactly what your diet is because yeah. I need to know and you're going oh my goodness like you know that's so you know it's such a personal thing and who I'm not I'm not going to like direct you and tell you like what you should be eating when it's you and yeah. your body and like your life um I can you know there's some balanced discussions about perhaps how you want to think about maybe improving like some bits of your diet and things like that in a in a healthy way but I'm I don't want to step in and suddenly be like, you know, calling myself a nutritionist and giving like nutritional advice to someone whom that's not, that's not my remit to, to be doing that in. That's just like, you know, one, one example, but I don't know if, um, yeah, with you, <laughs> it gets a lot more, a lot more personal sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Uh Come on. I was going to say, should we, I want to hear a little bit about your how you fused your climbing with your yoga because you now have a program called is it Climb Fit? Uh, climb Flow. <laughs> climb Flow. Sorry, Climb, climb flow. flow. I should know this, shouldn't I? No, no, no. It's <laughs> Climb Flow. It's, it's um, no, no, no. I, because uh, it's it's Climb Flow, but then I have like my Climb Flow Fit Yoga. That's just, it. Yeah. Just to make it like you know nice and really easy one to roll off the tongue. Um, yeah. So so that really came, well came about through my experiences of you know okay you know being a climbing athlete getting very very broken and doing my yoga um and the, engaging in a process of of like rehabilitating sort of myself um so i was doing yoga movement you know a variety of things like i mean i started like when i started yoga when i was 16 that was like you know it was like very hatha like this is, you know, this is, I live by the book of Hatha, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and, but I've been doing yoga um, and then like more vinyasa and then through like performing arts and things as, as well, I've been doing a lot of sort of dance oriented movement, uh, a bit more kind of contemporary stuff and sort of free, free rolling movement. Um, actually some, a lot of it, yeah, so sort of through my acting training, which is all centered around physical movement but for basically like emotional release as it were um and letting your body kind of be a vehicle to help you process intensive emotional experiences and things like that um and then simultaneously doing like you know f physical therapy and personal training and like all these sorts of things and like so all of this stuff is really really wonderful um but I was having to like you know do this and then go and do this and then go and do this and then go and do so there was kind of a lot of stuff happening and as I was kind of moving with and developing just what I was enjoying in, in my yoga practice sort of at the time and what was feeling good in my body was trying to find this intersection between like the benefits of yoga without it getting like too complicated. And then also the benefits of like, you know, good old traditional strength and conditioning work um, and wanting to kind of bring those things together. So I started, I just sort of started working with that and started playing with it, um, kind of having like a nice foundational sort of like a yoga sequence, making it really, really dynamic. So it's a kind of the, the flow of the things, like just really, really rolling with it. So you kind of really tune into what's going like with your body and then just building in those kind of the strength and conditioning components as well. And like for me, like from a mindset of a climber, I was going, okay, well, how do I think about what's happening with my shoulders and finding strength and stability in my shoulders um you know strong you know really strengthening core structure through the front and obviously like through the back with everything that has been going on like with my spine and so on and then mobility through legs and hips because whilst we have a lot of people who have like you know very very hypermobile um in the sense of and when we say hypermobile we mean with an, an unhealthy sort of range of like motion which you know which we all know well and not just flexibility, um, but actually talking about how do we develop sort of true mobility in the sense of active engagement through range of motion. So being able to move your, your limbs through said, you know, said range and said stretch, but actually being able to actively engage through those muscles um, in order to continue shifting your body weight. So obviously like in, in climbing, it's very much like an integrated um, full body movement it's very easy I mean it's very easy for people to kind of think that it's uh it's it's purely just like upper body um and, and of course it's you you use the upper body a lot and you 
whether you know grip strength and that sort of aspect is one thing but core strength is really really important to that in terms of being able to control your body movement and also um lower body so hips and legs really really is like the the overlooked part of climbing development and in terms of the more that you use your legs and the more that you use your hips um the way way more efficient your your climbing movement becomes um and just then working on that through kind of sense of proprioception head to toe and like integrated movement head to toe so trying to build up that awareness of when you're moving forwards or when you're moving from A to B, you're not just kind of like swinging through a joint and it's like an isolated thing. It's like, how do you actually move your whole body in one kind of cohesive way uh, in order to do that? So with all those sorts of things in mind, that's that's sort of what informed what I was developing with the, the sort of the yoga flow, as it were. Um, and it just sort of started evolving as a class um, at the gym. And then suddenly it was just like there were I mean, it was packed out like week after week after week. And I felt like I was onto something that was genuinely resonating with people who were doing the work. And it wasn't just me going, here's this nice thing that I want you to do. It's sort of like, you know, that, that, that kind of interactive process, like with, with people that you're working with, seeing what they're getting out from it and what they're telling you and getting back from that and letting that to kind of evolve. And um, yeah, it kind of just, it grew from there and it was physical classes and then I then I started getting asked to do various events and then obviously with moving across the world I ended up doing like a whole bunch of things with Climbflow um just all around Asia and then even like some big brands got really interested in it and I was like this is really interesting um but from that people were then asking well how do I do how do I do these classes with you even if I'm not with you so over a year ago, I mean, like over a year before even COVID happened, this, so this is like late 20, sorry, no, like early 2018. No, I'm losing my mind here. Hang on. That would make sense, pre-COVID. A year yes, pre-COVID. Okay. So a long yeah. time ago, yeah. I was like, right, I need to develop this into a body of work that can be accessed online so that it doesn't matter where people are, they're going to get to enjoy this movement and this process. So that's when I started working and developing all of that into an online program. And I've been working on it for like a year and a bit in terms of like getting the video recordings done and the production and the sound and the music and all of these sorts of things and wanting it to be like a really, really just good, like self-contained program, um, like on, on its own, of its own right. Um, and wanting that to be a really solid body of work that I could then share with people. And then it was suddenly it was like, okay, fine, I'm moving back to the UK. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to release it at the beginning of the year. And then all this stuff started like kicking off, and you're going, oh my gosh, like what's what's happening? Um, and then we had lockdown, and and the crisis. See, I'm avoiding I'm, I'm avoiding trying to say the c word like throughout this entire. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, um, and then suddenly I was going, oh my gosh, what do I do with my work now? Because we were then pushed into this whole space where. Suddenly everyone became an online teacher, which again, obviously nothing wrong with that, but suddenly everyone was doing that. This piece of work that I had been working on for goodness knows how long, suddenly I was going, how do I release that in the middle of this? Everyone was, you know, we were in that space of, everyone's gonna deliver their work for free. We're in a crisis. We gotta give out, you gotta do this. We've gotta do this for yeah. community. Absolutely, all of the, you know, all of these things that, you know, were so obviously, so right and true in the time but much I think like you've experienced with your own with your own business you're going well that's that's my job and that's my mm. income and that's my my living and how do I go about delivering work to people um and still justifying charging for it when equally at the same time we're having you know this mass hysteria kind of falling out around us and and I, and I sat on it for, for months because I just didn't, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is taking advantage of the situation. <laughs> I can't do that. Da, 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 da. And suddenly I felt like, oh my, I'm, this, I've been working on this for so long. I'm just not, I don't know when there's going to be the right time. Um, and it was only when people started like emailing me and being like, Tiffany, where's your work? Where's your work? Where's your work? <laughs> because, because we want to do your work. And, you know, and we want to pay for it. And, and I've been doing like loads of community stuff um, pieces like up and, you know, all through then and, and I have been continuing to do so. Um, but they're like, you know, 
we want your work out there, release your work because the world wants it, you know? Um, so it was like June last year that I finally decided, okay, I'm pushing the baby out Yay. And, and put it out there. And, um, and thank goodness that I did. Hallelujah. So, well done. <laughs> because, um, yeah, it's, it's being used by people like all over the world. And that's, yeah, you know, I, I'm so glad that I just sort of committed to it and didn't feel suddenly like that my work was entirely like unworthy or invalid or because it wasn't it wasn't someone else's subscription model and this is again you know when you talk about the bombardment of information all these things being thrown at you this is the right way to do something this is the right way to evolve your business this is the piece of tech that you're going to have to use this is the right platform this you know all these sorts of things and you're going mm. what the hell and then you're thinking i've already had this plan mm. oh my gosh is this completely invalid have i done like everything wrong like this just isn't going to resonate with people because people want this and they want this whole model and this whole thing. And I've gone and done that. And, you know, um, so, so I think <laughs> sticking to your guns and finding that conviction within yourself that actually you had a, you had a sound process to deliver whatever it is that you were going to deliver. And that the rest of it might be kind of figuring it out as you go along, but that is yeah. just like part and parcel of this this process um so yeah so that's that's kind of like the long-winded journey to that actually finally being out in the world and people actually getting to to use it and work with it so and how can people access it as a little little plug <laughs> they they can go to climbflow.com <laughs> perfect should we do some quick fires to finish yeah we could talk for much longer but we're almost at an hour now I so know, let's do sorry, let's do yeah. a few little let's do a few little quick fires all Holly? right now you you start i haven't thought okay of one yet. so is, is there anything that you would like to do more of that you don't currently um i <sighs> Part of it's taken up my hands. I want to be doing more media and performing arts work again, um, which, which because of this whole you know crisis, a lot of that basically disappeared and got wiped off for, for anyone who's in the performing arts industry. But I do hope to be able to do more of that um, moving forwards, and also um, working more closely with individuals more on this not just through a movement basis but through a, like a personal coaching basis as well so that's also something that I'm continuing to develop and I see I see a sort of a, a calling and a pull towards is is working with people more closely on that very very personal level and if you had an hour to yourself for self-care what would it look like <laughs> I would I'd scrub myself. <laughs> Lovely. And I'd slap on a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd read a book. <laughs> so. Perfect. And what book might, what, what's a current book on the go or a recent good one? Um, recent, oh God, okay. Uh, more more pro provoking and powerful, uh, Pachinko, um, which is a Korean Japanese history war novel. Uh, really, really beautiful. Um, it's just. Is, would that would that fit in the self care round? <laughs> no, no, not just. Not, it might not be self care, but it, it's a very beautiful read, and it's very human. And reminds you of the power and the capability of resilience and mm. uh, being able to see through even the most, I think, traumatic and trying of times, and and the value of resilience. Um, in other self care notes, oh. Um, I just started uh, Imposter Syndrome by Dr. Jessamy Hibbert, who was my psychologist uh, ah. some moons ago. <laughs> yeah. So I feel I feel sort of honoured <laughs> to, to and, and indebted in some way to actually you know read read her work because I've been putting that off for for quite some time, um, and that has already proven to be a good read for anyone who I think uh, who may not necessarily even be experiencing imposter syndrome for themselves but I think in terms of understanding it more closely and there, and there are certainly some parallels between imposter syndrome and perhaps like other again uh mental dispositions around again like high performance like sort of syndrome and, and better managing those those sorts of expectations so that's that's a good one okay probably not like a super light read um <laughs> that's <and> then, fine. <laughs> what? oh okay super light read but really really enjoyable 
um, Rivers of London series by Ben Aronovich. I don't know if you've heard of that oh, one. It. Okay. It's quite a nice mix of like police detective work and then like magic, like thrown in. Oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> and it's very and funny. Last, <laughs> and lastly, where, where can people find you? Uh, they Instagram, can, website. They can find me. <laughs> Not your address. Yeah, yeah no, don't, don't leave your address. <laughs> <laughs> they may find me um, on Instagram, uh, Tiffany underscore Soy, uh, or my website, TiffanySoy.com. And my Climbflow work, uh, again, is at Climbflow on the gram and Climbflow.com to access that, that body of work as well. And, and, I, and I did want to say, actually, with, with regards to Climbflow, even though it, it wasn't, you know, it, the, the, the key group of people have been climbers and really focusing on climbing development, um, it's not exclusive to that. There are obviously a lot of people who who aren't climbers who are really enjoying the work and the very dynamic sort of uh, and strength building nature of it so just just as a caveat um, for anyone that was intrigued by it thank you Wonderful. so much it's been a pleasure it's so lovely to chat no oh my god goodness thank you so much for for having me and for having you know human conversations honestly unbalanced